All right, welcome to I Wish My Boss Told Me That, a new episode with uh, my colleague Santiago Duarte, who is uh, visiting us today. He's the VP for Tech Supply and Logistics at ABMBEF. Uh, I've been working with Santi now for about two years. Uh, impressive colleague. We had a lot of very interesting uh, discussions already with him over those two years. And I've also understood that he's been talking to a lot of our campus hires and they've learned a lot from uh, their conversations with him on his uh, leadership talks, talking about his career and sharing some of the learnings from uh, from his career. So I'm very happy to have uh, Santi here today on our podcast. Good. So today we welcome Santi to the podcast. Hello, Santi. Hey, Serge. How's it going? I'm fine, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. All right. No worries, man. We're looking forward to have you on this podcast because uh, I heard a lot of amazing stories from uh, other people that uh, listened to your uh, career advice. So very happy to have you here. Uh, and very curious about the stories that you're going to tell us. So, but let's let's start with a with an introduction, right? If you can talk us through your career uh, a little bit, because I understood that uh, unlike many other leaders, you had a very diverse career, right? You worked as a consultant, you worked for airlines, now you work for a beer company. So, can you take us through some of the steps in in your career and what were some of the the key learnings in those career steps? Sure. So um, I started actually, I studied electrical and computer engineering, actually. And what most people would know about me is that my, my dad has a doctorate in engineering, and I wanted to do the same thing. So I started mm-hmm. my career in university thinking that I was going to go in that same direction. Uh, what happened at that time is that I realized that there were, while I really love technology, and, and it's a passion for me, there's other aspects that I wasn't exposed to as much, but I wanted, I had some curiosity. So I decided to start working. And through my research in university, I was connected with GE, so GE Healthcare specifically. So I started working with them. And then my first job, I did hardware design. And then my second job, I did software developer. So I I did those two things. And then through luck, if you will, I got pushed into the, the business side of the operation. So from university, you know, I would say that I learned, of course, the technical basis that I have for, for that have served me for my career, but it really taught me how to think, how to approach problems and mm-hmm. how to get to the right answer. Cause you're not, you know, what most people don't realize is that you're not expected to know the right answer in, in business, in, in corporate life, as you are in school, like nobody, and mm. you can agree with me, Serge, that nobody will in a meeting will say, you have five minutes to come up with this answer and it has to be perfect <laughs> or you're going to fail out of the meeting. So yeah. it, it, that's a, a big change that those, most people don't realize. And it's, a, it's very different from when you are in university than when you're working. While I was a GE, you know, I, I've learned, um, I learned a couple of things that are, are interesting. So First thing is you need to take care of yourself. 
you know, we're all, you know, first job, you're coming in very, very eager and you want to prove yourself and you want to grow in your career and you're trying to figure out what are the right steps to take. And we sometimes forget or neglect our help. And mm -hmm. this is exactly what happened to me. I was doing really well and uh, I didn't pay attention to the signals, the, the, the messages that my body was sending me and I got sick. So I was sick for three months, medical leave. Oh. And all because, you know, I pushed myself too hard. So that's one of the things that, you know, I, I would say I learned at GE that uh, I had to relearn a couple of times later. And, um, you know, we also learned that you have uh, two ears and one mouth for a reason. No. People tend to speak a lot more than they listen to. And, and I think we need to, especially in, in business, you need to understand before you seek to be understood. So from yep. GE, uh, and this is a topic that you're going to see that emerges. After 60 years at GE, I got bored with what I was doing. And I wanted a new challenge. And uh, there was nothing really that interests me. So I ended up moving from healthcare to airlines. So a, I, I worked for a regional airline in Latin America that was looking for somebody to help them with their process improvement uh, culture. And I didn't, I mean, I, I knew airlines as a passenger, but didn't know them operationally. So I got a chance to really learn what an airline looks like from within. So all the, the nightmares that you hear about uh, in terms of losing luggage, canceling flights, uh, missing meals in a plane, I did all that. So I did every single operational job within an airline for a week mm. or three months. So I got a chance really to see how it works. And, um, you know, in, in Copa, that's the name of the airline, I learned that the, the most valuable lesson that your boss never told you is you need to have a good boss. No. If you have a bad boss and a good job, it's, there's very little chances that you'll make it. But if you have a good boss and a not so fun job, then you'll make it because your boss will work on, on developing you. And this is, I heard your podcast, your first podcast, and it's very similar to what happened to you. You had somebody that took an interest in your career and then they help you yep. grow. So this is something that most people don't know when they're coming into a job, they look for the flashy title, right? So the intergalactic transformation <laughs> emperor, and it sounds great, but then they are not looking at what, who's going to help me develop? Because there's so many things that uh, you have to learn coming in. So th that's a that's a great learning, right? So, uh, but but how how do you somehow make sure? How do you take that advice and really apply it, right? How, how do you make sure that you have a good boss? Because it's not something that is entirely in your control. For sure, not if you change companies, right? When you change, for example, from GE to the airline, I, I guess somewhere there. Well, this is an unknown or not? It is and it isn't. So it, the, I got a chance to interview with the CEO, the CEO, and the CFO of the company. Mm -hmm. And I assumed one of those three guys was going to be my boss. And I liked the three of them. So I said, these, these are guys that I could work with. The lesson for me is that I, I came in and my boss was the new VP of HR, whom I never met, who was new in the company. And we didn't see eye to eye. So it was a very interesting two years of, of lessons. Um, I learned a lot of the things that I don't want to do, to be very honest. But one of the things that he taught me, and it kind of reemphasized 
uh, the, the take care of yourself message is he told me life is a constant struggle of, or, or a constant juggle of three balls. One ball is your health, one ball is your family, and one ball is your work. So if things get tough, make sure that you grab onto the balls that break, like your health no. and your family, and you let go of the ball that bounces, which is the, your work. And this is another no. thing that people don't realize. Right? They, they sometimes sacrifice their family or their health because of work. So after two years of, of banging heads with uh, my boss, I decided that enough was enough, and I, I quit my job. Oh, well. Yeah, I went back to consulting. So uh, while I was yeah. a GE, I was doing consulting. I went back to consulting, but this time in manufacturing. So I learned so much yeah. about operations and airlines that I went into manufacturing consulting. So I was living in Panama, but with projects in Mexico and Barcelona. So very, very interesting combination. <laughs> and, and what that taught me is you need to follow your passion. Right. So everybody talks about, you know, you need to be, you need to like your job. You need to follow your, your passion. You need to look for what you love to do. And I, I go back to, it, it's really difficult to find what drives you if somebody asks you that right away. But if you start going back and remember when you were a kid, what is it that you like to do? What is it that gave you, could keep you interested or, or focused or busy for a long time. And for me, it, it was two things. One, it's learning how things work. That's, you know, it's something that makes me tick. It's what makes what drives me is I want to understand how things work from within. And the other one is to fix things. So I really always enjoyed to be able to know how they work and then be able to fix them. And then the consulting piece, it kind of made sense. No. So I did. I did that for about a year, um, but I was traveling too much. And, and to be honest, um, living in Panama, projects all over the place, and I'm not from Panama. So I decided to close shop there and move to Colombia with my parents to figure out what was the, the next step. And through that process, I got contacted by a company that most of you probably know uh, called Gempact. And Gempact has a consulting arm that helps their customers set up their shared service centers and then get them up and running. And that was my job for Latin America. So I was responsible for all of uh, South America, so Mexico to Argentina, including Brazil. And um, I, I did that for five years. So I worked with different clients in different uh, countries. I lived a year and a half in Brazil, so that's how I learned Portuguese. And um, in Gempact, I learned that you have to take care of yourself. So you have to put your mask on first. I, I traveled all the time. So this is a lot of the, the my analogies will come from the plane as you guys will see. <laughs> but put your mask on first. Well, what, what does that mean? Uh... Yeah, when, when you're on the plane, right? You hear the flight attendants telling you, you have to put on your mask on first. Ah, okay. And then you help your friends. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing at work you have to take care of yourself first and then you help your friends. So it doesn't mean you have to step on your friends so that you can be successful. It means take care of your job, take care of your targets, take care of your responsibility and then help your friends, then mm -hmm. help somebody else. And this is something that with, with, uh, with Gempact, I learned a lot is, is 
you need to cover your bases first. And then you, you look for how do you can help other people. And then it's a way of it's a way of prioritizing in the end. No, it's a way of prioritizing, making sure that you're focused on on the things that you know that that are key to your role first before getting distracted with all the work that other people might be throwing at you, right? That's it, it, it is that, of course, it's, it's on the work side, but also, Serge, in, if you extend this to your whole self, so your family. So mm. if your family is not in a good place, you're not going to be in a good place. So you cannot do your job well. If mm. uh, your health is being impacted, you're not going to do your job well. So put your mask on first. Don't, don't try to, you know, don't try to be brave and then put somebody else's mask because then you know what's going to happen there. They yeah. told us in the, in the plane. And then interestingly enough, um, my first client with Jampact was Sab Miller. There we go. Beer. And that's how the beer <laughs> connection got made. So after, and I worked with Sab Miller uh, throughout uh, a couple of times in five years. So I helped them set up their shared service center in Colombia. And after five years with Jampact, again, I got bored. So I called Sab Miller and asked them if they had an opportunity for me and uh, ended up joining Sab Miller. In mm -hmm. Sab Miller, I learned a very different company than ABI, but I learned that you have to be more like the chicken than the lizard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to explain this one. <laughs> uh, I, I, everybody always asks for the explanation. So when I say you have to be more like the chicken, it, it, you know, there's a common misconception that uh, if we ask who lays more eggs, the chicken or the lizard? That every I have no clue, man. I, I know a chicken uh, lays quite a lot of eggs. I have no clue about the lizard. So. Everybody assumes it's a chicken because we eat uh, eggs for breakfast, so it's chicken, uh, right? But the reality uh, is that the lizard lays 20 eggs in one go. All right. Why you don't hear about this is because the lizard lays 20 eggs and is silent. The chicken <laughs> lays one egg and it makes a lot of noise. Make sure everybody knows that an egg just came out. So this is what I learned. I learned that you have to make noise. You have to make noise constantly. And you have to make sure that um, people understand what you're doing and they understand the value that you bring to the organization. It's not about hiding, you know, hiding problems. And, you know, it's actually the contrary to that. You need to make sure that people understand that things are happening because you are there. It's not because no. you're super lucky and the universe is aligning. Is yes, there are problems, but I'm managing them. And of course, you need no. to let your, your boss and your leaders know so that if there is something that they can do to make your job a little bit easier, they can step in. But how, how did you figure that out? Because I know for myself, that is something that I, I think it took me... How many years? Probably five, six years after graduating before really figuring out, you know, what were some of the things that, that made me tick. The first years, I really had no clue, right? And so I went into a job and, okay, I gave, I gave everything to do my best in that job. But uh, for me, it was never clear, man, this is what I want to become. This is the type of job I want to have. Uh, I found it out after several years. And when I talked to a lot of, you know, fresh graduates, they seem to have the same uncertainty. Right? They, they join the corporate world, they join their first company, and they're not really sure what they want to do, where they want to go, and they have all these question marks. 
So how did you figure that out? It takes a long time. And I think it boils down to searches is what's important to you. Right. And, and, uh, you know, earlier we were talking about, uh, in a different talk, we were talking about success and how success, you know, what is success? And I think success is very personal, right? It depends on person to person and what's important for that person. And I think success changes over time. And, and you and I have seen it when we look at, sometimes when we look at OPR profiles and somebody says, I want to be a director. No. That's success for them. So it's obviously it's, it's title focused, it's career focused. They don't say director of what? So you can say, well, you're going to be director of the door. You'd be happy with that. <laughs> and, but, but it's a director. So that's, they're looking for the yeah. title. But the question, the big question is, what is, what does, when you think about success, what does that bring to you? How does it make you feel? You know, what, what are some of the things that are accompanied by that notion of success that you have? And this is a way for you to try to find out. I always go back to what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid? And to me, that, that gave me a lot of clues. And it took me, I think in my case, Sergio, it took me probably 10 years to figure that out. Hmm. But I remember I used to, my, my favorite toy, if you can call it a toy, was a, a toolbox. So an actual toolbox that I used to carry around my parents' home. And I used to take up, take apart uh, phones and TVs, which, you know, my parents, I, now that I have a son, I'm, I realize how permissive they were and, and uh, how lucky I was. <laughs> so, but, but it, it, it took me some time to really think back is like, what did I like doing when I was a kid? And then how does this translate to my career? Cause I never thought about, well, this is the job, what I want. And these are the roles that I need to have to be able to grow within ABI or within any company i just without knowing i focused on how can i learn more how can i fix things how can i do more but but no. it's 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 a it's a very i think it's a long introspective journey and it's not an easy one and most people i i, I want to say most people figure it out eventually but it does take time yeah i think you also need to experiment you no know, to try to figure it out try try different things see what you like, see what you do not like, and sometimes yeah, make mistakes and, and do, do, maybe do, do a job that you really don't like, but at least you have the experience, you learn something out of it, and you know what you don't want, and you can keep on searching for the thing that you do want. Fully agree. So this is one of the, the lessons learned that I, I talked about with the new hires, um, and this one I owe to my wife. So we, <laughs> whenever we used to go out for dinner, I would ask her, like, well, what do you want to eat? And she would say, eh, whatever, anything. So then I would say sushi. And she's like, ah, no, not sushi. Okay, fine, pasta. Mm, no, no pasta. So I would get really upset. It's like, man, you told me anything. I gave you two, and you're already saying no to those two things. So I realized that asking some, somebody, what do you want, is really difficult. So if I say, what do you want in your career? What's the next move for you? It's, it, some people know it. Uh, but most people don't. So I think the better question for yourselves is, as you look through, you know, what is it, the direction that you want to take is, what don't you like? Mm -hmm. Which are the spaces that you don't want to go? So then you start narrowing the scope. So for example, if uh, in my wife's uh, context, then I would say, well, we're going to go for dinner. What don't you want? Then she would say, I don't uh -huh. want a burger and uh, I don't want pizza. 
So it's like, okay, fine. Anything else? <laughs> and then you narrow the scope and you say, well, sushi. You didn't say sushi, uh, so now we're going for sushi. So it, it works. <laughs> but it works the same way in your career. So I can ask you, uh, um, you know, search, where don't you want to go? And then perhaps you say, well, I don't, I don't see myself as a marketing person. Or maybe you do. But it's easier uh, for, especially as you're coming in, as you're starting your career, then you say, well, I know that I'm not built for the marketing, the creative side, the, the shapes and colors and, and all those pieces that are less quantifiable, then it makes it easier for you to narrow your scope. No, no it's, a, it's a great uh, analogy. I never thought of it like that, to be honest. And then while you were talking, I was also kind of thinking, man, how, how did I figure this, this out, right? Because the, the, the one thing that I enjoy today in, in my job and, and, and you know what, what is the thing that I'm passionate about is people, right? I love to lead big teams and work with people and engage people, develop people. But if I would go back to my, let's say, childhood, even until the age of 18, I was a very introvert person, right? I would never take the lead. I would not stand in front of the class and take the lead. I was more the, the, the follower, uh, being very quiet. You would have to pull something out of me. But on the other hand, if something happened to somebody in the class, I would be the first to be there and help that person, even if that was not my best friend. It could have been anyone, right? So very interesting to see that somehow it was it was hidden there, probably, right? Because I was always there to to help people out, but maybe not obvious to become a leader because I was more introvert rather than extrovert, and other people were taking the lead, let's say as the leaders in the class. Yeah? So I think, yeah, sometimes Sometimes you even need to figure it out and try it. Like you said, man, I don't want sushi, but you know, let's give it a try first. Let's see if I like the sushi or I don't like the sushi, and then make up your mind. No, but but that's a great point. So I'm also an introvert, by the way. So these are things that you know misconceptions that everybody thinks that it's like, well, if I'm not an extrovert, then I'm not going to grow in my career. Not necessarily. You know, I, I, a lot of our peers are introverts, and it's just what you're comfortable with, right? How do you recharge the batteries? It doesn't mean that you cannot be trained to speak in front of people. It doesn't mean that you cannot no. be trained to get up and give a presentation and, and uh, it's fine. You know, you, you learn those things. This is a skill. Does it mean that it's going to come naturally to you and you're going to feel uh, like this is your natural state, but maybe yes, maybe no. I, I incline more towards a no, but that's more, more no. a reflection on me. But it doesn't. It's not something that is going to hold you back. No, no. There, I believe the ten thousand hours rule. You know the ten thousand hours. So, I think even as an introvert, you can stand in front of a crowd and engage people and show the energy. The moment that you've done it for ten thousand hours, right? Because then it becomes it becomes natural. Maybe somebody who is more of an extrovert, you know, is already ready to do that and engage a crowd naturally. But uh, ten thousand hours, I think people can learn anything. I fully agree. So uh, a lot of a lot of learnings here, right? I, I just took some notes here of all the the key tips that uh, let's say you wish your boss had told you that before, right? So one on work life balance to uh, really balance the health, family, and work, you know, balls, and make sure you focus on the ones that don't bounce back. The importance of a good boss that you also experienced your, yourself. 
following your passion and how to figure out your, your passion. And I will never forget the chicken versus the lizard, <laughs> which I think is a great uh, analogy, but, but so true, man, because uh, a lot of people are working very hard, you know, laying a lot of eggs. Nobody notices. And yeah, they will not make the career that they want to make because it all happens somewhere in the dark, in the basement where nobody has seen it. So great analogy, great tip for, uh, for people. Indeed, man, I think we can keep going on for hours. <laughs> like this uh, so again great session some good learnings thanks for joining us Santi stay safe over there thank you for the invite I think this is a great initiative so I'm I've heard uh, your only your first uh, episode I haven't heard the second one that's uh, on my to-do list or my to-hear list yeah uh, but I think it's a great initiative I, and thank you again for the invite I think this is very fun um, and it'd be good to see what what uh, people want to hear more about and then if I can help in any time in the future yep. let me know alright good thanks Santi cheers cheers take it easy thank you for listening to us we'll meet again soon with more interesting stories and insights that will make you think I wish my boss told me that cheers cheers